Welcome to Here Nor There, a podcast produced during a media arts residency at the Western Front, one of Vancouver's longest-standing artist-run centers. Informed by this context, the series is interested in the politics that inform the energy and formation of cross-disciplinary creative communities in this city. The following episodes will feature conversations and other content from emerging artists, musicians, organizers, and writers. Here Nor There is produced, written, edited, and hosted by myself, Gabby Dow. On this episode, I'll be speaking with Yusu, whom I've known for a few years now. So what you'll be listening to is a bit of a catch-up. Originally born and raised in Kaifeng, China, she's now based here in Vancouver. Yusu is a DJ, producer, and collector, and will be discussing her work alongside thoughts on the limitations of the computer obsessions with tangible instruments, learning curves, environmental and cultural landscapes, and her 14 years of classical piano training. Throughout this episode, we'll be listening to some of her music alongside the music of various composers. Here's Bluestone to start off with.
Mm, I was、um, I was definitely forced to study classical piano when I was very very little. <laughs> I hated it that time because my family couldn't afford. There's no piano for sale in China.、Right. In that was 1996. You would have to buy a piano from Japan, like a upright or grand. Yeah, like a grand piano. My mom couldn't afford it at. That time, so my、mm-hmm. first two three years of piano training, I actually didn't have a piano to practice on. My mom made a fake keyboard on just some cardboard. She drew all the keys. keys. Yeah, she drew、right. all the keys on there because you're just basically practicing your fingers. So、mm-hmm. I did that for a few years, and I really really hated it. But then one day, I th- remember it was on my birthday, maybe when I was five. Or six. Right. On my birthday, I woke up in the morning. And there's this, this piano sitting in the living room. It was a big deal for a kid to have a real grand piano. <laughs> I was particularly interested in composers like Debussy and Eric Satie. How do you pronounce Eric Satie? Satie. It wasn't very. Strong emotions or anything. It was、right. more just really going around like zigzagging. The melody were weird, so I really、right. liked those ones. And I also, I think, in middle school, I got into some Japanese ambient music.、Um, Sakamoto, you were saying. Yeah, Sakamoto、Classic. and this other guy, Hisaishi. He did、uh, lots of the Studio Ghibli. Can we talk about learning how to produce music? Teaching yourself through YouTube and the sort of communities that form around this sort of musical production, which is mostly electronic based. How does this inform your music making and the communities that form around peer to peer knowledge? With classical music, it has to be about the formal training, and it has to be about if you are born with the kind of sense to learn very complicated compositions, to be able to absorb how much you can from it, and you know, adopt it. You're basically adopting other people's way of thinking. You memorize and then you perform the music, and it's about whether you can like translate、yeah. that linearly. There's obviously things where you can interpret by yourself and perform in your own way, but at the end of the day, when you're judged by other professionals, they definitely judge based on how much you're adopting the original.、Mm-hmm. What、well, with electronic music, I think this peer knowledge sharing、mm-hmm. a lot. Of it is about telling each other the gear you like or something、right. that you use that you find really useful and easy to get your way around, or like a good mixer that you find, or some some trick you get to know. Because when I first started it, like I wasn't particularly involved in the scene or anything. That was when I was just starting to make friends <laughs> in the music scene. I was definitely like nervous. I was self-conscious. I was definitely、right. not very confident asking people,、mm-hmm. "Can you teach me how to use 
this software also because of the language barriers. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to say things, so I can't really ask questions. Right. I don't know how to say certain terms. You're learning two languages at once. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I was like, well. I ha- I'll have to do it myself. So YouTube is probably mm-hmm. the best way because I can Listen, pause. Yeah. I can look up what this word means to like understand everything. It definitely has something to do with when I was, I was always very good. Well, I'm I shouldn't say I'm very good at computer. <laughs> <laughs> I like finding stuff on the internet where it's maybe harder to find or where you can be just kind of sneaky. When I was growing up in middle school, one of my teacher taught me how to use a VPN oh, in China. Right. When we first got internet at home, I just started using VPN. I started like looking for the weird things right. on like Western. That was when I started to learn how to be sneaky. Through like middle school and high school, I was always practicing piano two to three hours right. a day. So there would be times where they left me alone at home to practice. And my <laughs> brain and my hands can memorize everything because I'm so used to practicing the stuff that I was doing. I could actually just use one hand to play the piano to like practice right. my thing. And the other hand, I would be looking for stuff, listening to stuff, but my hand doesn't have to stop. My right. other hand can just keep playing. So they would know that I was practicing. I just got really good at just taking advantage of the internet so I right. know it's like where to search for anything with YouTube you can look up any particular mm-hmm. things you want to that's how I got really used to learning through internet
before I had a studio, all the stuff I made was on Ableton. I didn't really have any hardware. Ableton Live is a popular digital audio workstation, an editing software for linear composing and live performance, and an instrument in its own right. I didn't have any instrument. It was all plugins and Ableton. When I moved into uh, Deep Blue, describe what Deep Blue is. Deep Blue is it's a music studio. It's also a space where I think it's safe for most people. There's definitely some work to do on that, but. It's a comfortable and safe space for people to just enjoy themselves and enjoy music late at night. It's a nice space because it's big. I had my own room in there. My studio mates and my partner at that time had all these different things. I started like using different synthesizers from mm-hmm. from some friends, and when I got more involved and met right. more people, I just got to learn more, more learn more things like learn. Mm-hmm. Learn about how to use like drum machines, how to、right. use like hardware samplers. It was so warm in、right. that space. I switched to just buying stuff off other people because I got really sick of my computer for a while. You're just staring at、yeah. this thing, and it feels more like doing science project. It's not really performative. As with any creative investment, there can be a hefty price tag on hardware instruments. Especially those with a laudable reputation within defining moments of '80s dance, hip hop, and pop music. Even to just buy a 909 is like a few thousand bucks. The discontinued TR909 is one such kind of instrument, a drum machine introduced to the public in 1983 by Roland. It originally retailed at the lower end of the price range.、Right. How can a normal Like you know, How, like yeah, yeah. If you're just like a like a、As、middle class, as we continue class, to、like、ramble a, about costs、like、associated、yeah. with creative production, I asked Yusu for her thoughts on how she navigates the economic parameters that the majority of creative folks are constantly grappling with. I actually think about this quite a lot through the past few years. I would see friends who would spend even a grand or something、oh. on a piece of new gear, but they don't necessarily live in a comfortable space、oh, yeah. or like. Eat healthy. Where I come from, like it's more important to to make sure that you're living very comfortably. This is like a very different way of dealing with your money, picking what the priorities are before spending money on these other stuff. But then slowly and slowly, I understand why you like save all this money for a few months and then go、mm-hmm. buy this expensive piece of gear because、mm-hmm. you just really need it if that's what your life is about. That's like so important to me. I cannot eat breakfast for a couple months just to, just to buy the same. It's a very different kind of understanding. So when、mm-hmm. it comes to software and hardware, for a while I didn't understand this very general and maybe popular obsession over buying hardware, especially like buying vintage hardware because they're so expensive. For myself, I really, really see the kind of Privilege being able to buy hardware. It was really frustrating for me for a while to to think about. Even now, sometimes me and Scott. Can we introduce Scott for a second? Scott is your、My、collaborator、partner. and your yeah, partner. Yeah, also collaborator. We like have a home studio、mm-hmm. together. Sometimes I would get mad at him if he just wants to buy this thing or like he thinks about oh. 
maybe we should get this new mixer. Yeah. We should get this other thing. And I'll be like, why are we spending all this money? Even though I know that it's important yeah. to me, but I just can't get over this spending so much money on these machines and stuff. That's when I think about with software, you can hack mm-hmm. everything. Right. And you don't have to pay a single penny for anything. But with hardware, you just have to keep you buying, have to keep buying. It, yeah. You have to fix it when it's broken or replace it when you need an upgrade. It's nice in this country or the West. There's more resources. You can get more old gears right. of other people because of the history of electronic music here. But I just imagine in a very different place, it would probably right. be way harder. harder. You just have to work harder to save more money to get right. what you want. Except Japan. So, what makes the characteristics of these instruments so desirable today? To my understanding, the analog, the old gears, have a certain character that people like. Because that's just where that genre of music is from. That's how it's supposed to, supposed to sound like. But at the same time, with Ableton, with plugin, with effects and stuff, it doesn't have to sound so computery. But also, when the music sounds like it's made by a computer, it's bad. It's yeah, exactly. different. All music is different, even within the the music made by hardware. They're still different. The the modern rhythmic machines, like mm-hmm. the the machine drums, they they have their sound as well. Yeah. Like you can hear some techno music. You can say, oh, that's to- like totally made on like um like an octa track. It all has something distinguishable with certain gears but that really doesn't matter at the end of the day you're like listening to the music you're not listening to to the oh this thing's made with this gear i don't like this gear so i don't like this music (laughs) in a time of rampant pre-planned obsolescence that seems to be pre-programmed into so many quotidian technologies today for example macbooks and iphones i question why i sense an interest within edm today to pay homage to its past especially when electronic sounds were so associated with the future? Mm, it probably depends on who's making yeah, the music. Yeah, it definitely depends on the producer. Yeah, there are people who use certain gears to get certain sound, but also be very creative, doing their own thing. But obviously, there are so many people who are using the kind of gear mm-hmm. to create or to recreate something that they like, that they right. have listened to, mm-hmm. which is also great. Mm-hmm. And depends on the people who are making it. Mm-hmm. I can see there are times when people would make a very generic kind of thing because it's accessible. It's yeah. easy to listen to because mm-hmm. everybody knows where what it is. Yeah, yeah. And what they're... Um, referring to it's popular mm-hmm. it's easy to play on the dance floor for example there are right. many many reasons for yeah. somebody to make a sound so can you tell me about some of the projects that you've been working on collaborative projects and then maybe we can talk about some stuff that you're doing on your own the project i spent most of my time on is the you and me thing with mm-hmm. scott he is a very knowledgeable with soundscape and right. like field recordings and stuff. He taught me a lot about soundscape because he's very interested in listening to the environment. When we recorded our first album, we went to Salisbury. 
it's funny because music writers would categorize you and me as new age music. Although right. it isn't really new who's, age. Who's been, who's been categorizing you as new I don't age know, just music. some like website and discogs and stuff. Right. People, would yeah. categorize, people would call it like new age music. New age music is largely accredited to developing in the 70s. The intention of the new age movement could be described as a gesture towards hope, beauty, and mindfulness. Arguably, the genre has recently been regaining popularity. If we consider the context of the social and historical circumstances of which it emerged in our current context, it's interesting to consider how agendas such as mindfulness might be manifesting now, especially in cities like Vancouver. I think about the phenomena of Burning Man and the now international network of yoga, early morning, and lunch raves. These neo-club movements cater to 20- to 30-year-old something professionals and seem to encourage the collapse of the leisure and labor divide by raving the way into the day. I don't mind the genre New Age because it's, you know, it's an interesting genre, but there is definitely a lot of generalization on of what New Age music is and can be. Yeah. People talk about music from Vancouver or, you know, the Pacific Northwest. It's definitely a term for other people. It's not for people here. It definitely, it has to have something to do with the environment. People would call our music organic, but also sometimes it can be like dubby, even like techno-y. But it doesn't leave the the place. The You and Me stuff, like we're constantly recording and we gonna have our first tape reissued on vinyl. What's the name of the label? Knowing something. To conclude the episode, I ask Yusu to touch base on the last solo album she released. It's called Aie. That one was basically just the stuff that I was making on computer for the past couple of years. It didn't really have a concept. It was more like an archive of myself. Aie is this Chinese herb. Really good for pregnant women. I love the word. I mm-hmm. like the pronunciation. So... Mm-hmm. I picked that. I know a lot about different herbs and like things mm-hmm. to eat for pregnant women because my families are all doctors. That was 2016. That was okay. January. It's great to be part of a feminist label. The label that Yusu is talking about is called Genero. Myself, like I'm not super outspoken when it comes to gender and mm-hmm. racial issues and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more like I talk about it more in like a just, you know, like a private don't really talk about it like publicly.
These issues of race, gender, and the social context in which we listen, speak, and consume cultural content are recurring themes throughout the podcast. On the next episode, we will be talking to the founder of Genero, Soledad Munoz, and these concerns that expose the necessities of creating the label. From Order of Appearance, we listen to Blue Stone by Yusu, samples of Homage à Rameau by Claude Debussy, Gymnopédie No. 1 by Eric Satie, Paradise Lost by Ryuchi Sakamoto, and The Name of Life by Joe Hisaishi, Me Be Me by Yusu, a sample of PSK, What Does It Mean by Schooly D, Lucidity by Yermi, and finally Tales by Yusu. Thanks for listening.